listening to Connection Church's podcast. Some days it's hard. Good morning. My name is Jeremy Lindsay. I'm the uh, new campus pastor at the Millen plant. Um, and I'm excited to be here with y'all this morning. Um, man, y'all are quiet, I tell you. <laughs> Dead quiet. No, no, no excitement, no nothing. There we go. Well, I'm excited if nobody else is, all right? I need a favor before we get started. There's two things you've got to do. One thing you may need to do. Uh, I'm from Millen. I grew up in Millen, went to high school in Millen. So if you can't understand some of my country dialect, talk to Bo after the service. He's good in Millenese, okay? All right? He told me he was fluent this morning. The second thing is I'm going to need some help today, Okay? I'm going to need some interaction. Y'all going to have to give me some amens. Can I get some amens? Amen. All right, half of you. Can I get some amens? Amen. All right. That's what I'm going to need. Because now we're going to be here till tonight. The more amens I get, the faster this thing goes. So before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much uh, for uh, just uh, what you've been doing here this morning, God. I thank you. Thank you so much for that one soul that went from death to life this morning, God. We praise you for that, Lord. Lord, I pray and ask you, Lord, to come to this service, Lord. Holy Spirit, move in a mighty way. There's nothing I can say, nothing I can do, Lord. It's got to be you, Lord, to speak through me and through my life. God, we love you. God, we just pray that you would just uh, break the chains that sin has on us, God, and take the blinders off, Lord, so that the blind can see and the deaf can hear this morning. God, change us so that when we leave this place, we're never the same again. God, we love you, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we've been going through this Happily Never After series, and uh, Brandon preached about marriage. Uh, We talked about what biblical manhood should look like, what biblical womanhood should look like. We talked about what the family should look like. You know, we all know what it should look like. We, should, we know what being a biblical husband, a biblical wife, what the family should like. We know what it should look like, but a lot of times we miss the mark. A lot of times we get so caught up in life that what we should be doing, we're not doing. What do we do in those circumstances? What do we do in, in those situations? I'm here to tell you this morning, I, I, I found myself in my life in a bunch of different areas Guessing that. God, what do I do now? When I'm at the bottom of, of my barrel, what do I do now, God? I mean, I knew that Ephesians 5 said that a husband should love his wife as, a, as Christ loved the church. I knew that. I knew that I was supposed to serve my wife. I knew that, but I rarely did it. My wife knew that she was supposed to, as, as being a godly wife, she was supposed to submit to her husband. She was supposed to respect her husband. There was a time frame where she didn't do that. Our marriage rarely, you can rarely look at our marriage and, and look at Jesus. See, our marriage is supposed to represent, people should see our marriage and see Jesus in it. Amen? Amen. Come on, come on. That's, that's what should happen. But so many times that doesn't happen. And we find ourselves in a mess. I, I read a quote one time that says that marriage should be neither a battleground or a playground. 
but it should be like a garden that's nurtured and cared for and thoroughly enjoyed. And man, that's a great, that's a great analogy, a great quote. Because so many times our marriages are like a battlefield. I've got a friend of mine that, that I don't know why we think that we can't get along when we're dating. Let's get married. That makes no sense to me. Because if, you if you're fighting when you're, when you're dating, you're going to fight when you're married. And it's going to be worse. I, I was dating. I mean, I, I wasn't dating my friend. Let me, let me say that. I was, my friend and his girlfriend were dating at the time. And man, they were fighting all the time. So they got married and it just got worse. And I, I rode up one day to, to pick up my friend to go hunting. And I went to pick him up. I noticed the back door was open and the lights was on and the bedroom door was broken. And for, I wanted to call 911, but I was too scared to. I didn't know what was going on. So I, I got my gun and I went in the house. <laughs> called his name, nothing. And I looked to the left and the kitchen table was beat all to pieces. It's laying in a thousand pieces and the, one of the legs of the table is sticking out of the island. And I'm like, what has happened here? And I hear something going on in the bedroom and I turn around and I go through the busted door and there's my buddy laying on the ground with the nightstand broken all around him. I was like, dude, what has happened? Woke him up, what happened? He said, me and my wife, we had a fight. They were drunk, of course, but they had a fight. And she told me she was going to kill me. So she beat me over the head with a nightstand. And she said she was going to kill me. She had a nightstand leg in her hand. He said, you ain't got the guts. He said, now nah, I wake up and I'm right here. I reckon he, she did hit me. And they fought like it was going out of style all the time. And we think, we grow up in that type of stuff and we think that's what a marriage is about. We grow up in atmospheres like that. And we, we, we compare what marriage is in our life to what biblical marriage should be. And we miss the mark. Our parents, if they're not living it out in front of us, they're not living a godly life, they're missing the marks. So we can't compare our marriage to what our parents have. Now, some of our parents have awesome marriages, but some of them don't. And if we're not following Jesus, we're, we're not gonna have the marriage that God intended us to have. So many times that we're just so caught up in life that next thing you know, we're just going in the wrong direction. You know, when I think about the perfect marriage, nobody has the perfect marriage. Now, when I first got married, my wife and I would been married 13 years. We dated five years before we got married. And I just knew, I just knew this is going to be perfect. There's not going to be nothing wrong with this at all. I knew her backwards and forwards. We were two weeks into the marriage. I woke up one morning and I was like, who are you? I remember telling her, I said, look, I don't know what happened last night. But whatever alien forces that came down and abducted my wife, when you see them telling, I want her back, because she was crazy. <laughs> so what has happened? We think that marriage is perfect. And the only place that marriage was perfect was in the beginning. In Genesis chapter two, God has made all of the creatures and Adam was naming the creatures. And when he got through naming them, he realized that he didn't have anyone. So God created woman. And I think it's awesome how God took woman out of the man, how she took the rib, how he took the rib out of Adam and he made the woman. 
so that we're supposed to walk in union side by side. But I think it's awesome too that my rib is under my arm and it protects my ribs and I'm supposed to protect my wife. That's what we as men are supposed to do. It's an awesome, awesome symbol there. But in the, in the beginning is when it was perfect. In 23, verse 23, it says, then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The end of that, it says they were naked and they were unashamed. They were fully exposed to one another. They were fully exposed. Nothing was hidden in between them. How many of us can say that that's our marriage? That we're not hiding anything from our spouse. That they know us for who we really are. So many times we try to keep and hide stuff, but in the perfect marriage, in the beginning, they were just open and honest. You know what gets me about the, also the first marriage? It says that you shall leave your father and mother and you, you two shall, be, shall become one. And if you're one, you're going in the same direction, right? You're, you're, you're together. So many marriages split because pe people are going in two different directions. You've got one person that's serving God and one person that's not. That's what happens in the church a lot of times. And if both people would just serve Jesus, their marriage would be great. It's not saying it wouldn't have some problems. Our marriages are best when we are serving God together. And I can attest to that in my own life. So many of us buy into the lies of Satan. So many of us have bought into the lie. They just have been, just get, getting married is going to fix everything. If I could just find this perfect man, my life will be complete. If I can just find this perfect woman, my life will be complete. And then when you get that perfect man or woman and, or you, you get married and it's not what you thought it would be, then you're ready to get out. Our marriage is our society today. It just sickens me how our society has, has just defaced what marriage means. Marriage doesn't mean that we can, we, can, we can shack up, we can live together and then get married. And then if it don't work out, we can just get rid of that person and do it all over again. When I married my wife, I did it forever. I made that commitment to God. We've got to start taking it serious. Adam and Eve took it serious. It was the first perfect union. But so many times we get caught up and we get lied to Satan. Satan lies to us. In chapter three, verse one of Genesis, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was, was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? So here you go. You go from the perfect marriage and then Satan lies to them. And they buy into that lie. And our lives and marriage has never been the same again. I can tell you, so many of us in this room have bought into the lie of Satan. I myself bought into those same lies. You see, I grew up in church. I grew up in church. I got, I got baptized when I was a kid. I said the sinner's prayer when I was a kid. I went to church. And I thought that's what it meant to be saved. Check, 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 I'm going to heaven. But I lived like everyone else the rest of the week. There was no difference in my life. There was no change in my life. Satan was constantly lying to me. You're like everyone else. You're like all the rest of your friends. And yeah, all the rest of my friends went to church on Sunday, but they didn't ever commit their life to Christ. There was a difference there. And as I, I took that into my marriage and, and, and I, all I was, was was religious. I had religious behavior, but I never had Jesus. I'm here to tell you people, Jesus Christ died on the cross to save me of my sins so that when I follow him and accept him, then I'll have eternal life. He didn't say, I'll die so you can go show up to church every Sunday and live like everyone else. No, we're supposed to follow Jesus. Amen? We need to stop giving excuses of why we're not. We need to start doing it. And so many of us are not really living our life for Christ. A lot of marriages would get, would get right, would be enjoyable if one spouse or the other would get their life straightened out and give their life to Jesus. I, I live my life, that life for so long. Going to the bars on Saturday night and showing up drunk Sunday morning to church. But I was at church, check. I was playing games. And I hate to feel, to know how many people that I led in the wrong direction that thought that's what being saved is about. Y'all being quiet on me. But that was me. And I, I seen that the hypocrisy of my life. If the sinner's prayer could have saved me, I would have been saved about 200 times. Because I bet I said it that many times in about two years. Every Sunday, I'd be there just, just recovering from a hangover and be like, God, just save me. God, save me. And, and I go back and I would be the same person as soon as I left the church. Following Jesus means you change and you follow Jesus. That's what it means. It don't mean just coming to church. It don't mean just having religious activity. We've got a lot of religious people, but we have very few people that are really following Jesus. And if we started following Jesus like God's called us to follow Jesus, there'd be a difference in our churches. There'd be a difference in our marriages. There'd be a difference in our families. How can we tell our kids you need to follow Jesus when we're not following Jesus ourselves. They see our hypocrisy and they live that out. The truth is, 
I, I was in youth ministry for a little while and I seen it every day. The church can't fix your kids. The church can't send your kids to heaven. How they, they can instruct them, they can point them in the right direction, but how mama and daddy lives it out in front of them every single day shows them what following Jesus looks like. And if we're not living it out, we're just showing our kids that we can be a hypocrite and it's okay. My Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. I'm not going to get no help today, am I? But that's what it says. I bought into that lie and I brought it right into my marriage. Me and my wife, we were just religious people. Neither one of us was following Jesus. She was just following me. And I was, we were going right to hell if I hadn't changed. I went to a men's conference in 2008 that changed my life forever. And the pastor there said those same words. It's not about religion, it's about following Jesus. And I realized that I had to, I, all I had was religion. And when I died, all I would have was religion. I gave Jesus Christ that day. When I gave my life to Jesus, I came home a different man. The weekend before, I was drinking and partying. The weekend after, I couldn't go to those places. I couldn't listen to that music anymore. I couldn't be involved in that anymore. Just something couldn't, I couldn't explain why, but I just couldn't do it. Later, I realized it was the Holy Spirit. And when I accepted Christ and I really started following Jesus, he filled me. I'm telling you people, God can do that. Well, I begin to listen to more lies that Satan tells. He says, all right, now you're a Christian. Everything's going to be fine. Life's going to be perfect. Huh, can anybody in here, anybody else in here been told that lie? All right, there's, there's 10 of us in here. Good deal. I mean, that's the, he told me that. And so soon, it was right after that, my life began to crumble. Everything that, that, was, that I held so important, my marriage, my wife, everything started crumbling. In 2009, my father-in-law just up and passed away. My wife was right there with him. She went to go pick him up from just a regular, ordinary surgery. And when she walked in the room, his heart started coding and she was there to witness that. She called me, I was going home and she called me. She said, Jeremy, something's happened to daddy. And I took off to the hospital and when I got there, it was already too late. They brought him out of surgery and they said, look, we got two choices. We can leave him on a ventilator or y'all can make the decision and take him off. And the family made the decision and pulled the plug and he was already gone because as soon as they pulled the machine away, he passed away. That crushed my wife. She was daddy's little girl. God was not supposed to take her daddy. He, he hadn't seen us have kids yet. That wasn't supposed to happen. That wasn't in the plan, but it happened. She began to, to be, she was so bitter. She was so mad at God. And she was even madder at me because I was trying to follow God. She didn't want to go to church. She didn't want to talk about it. She would go to church with me just because I asked her to. We were so broken. We were trying to fix our marriage. I'm, you know, I'm a man, I'm trying to fix her and she, and she couldn't be fixed by me. And the more I tried to fix it, the madder she got. Any of y'all got a wife like that? All right. I'll get an amen on that, but nothing else. I tell you, watch out women. But that, that's, what, that's how it was. It was constantly getting worse. I couldn't figure it out. I was praying for God to change her. God changed her, but he wasn't changing her. 
the more I tried, the worse it got. We fought and we fussed like we never had before. And through that, the next, the next year, I have a motorcycle accident. I'm laid up in a hospital bed in my living room for two and a half months and can't get out of the bed. And I'm like, great idea, God. This woman can't stand me. Now you put me in a house with her all the time. She's going to kill me. It's a miracle she didn't. But after that time, she was like, I'm tired of being in this house. I'm tired of this. This We've got to go. I'm going back to the party scene. Either you go with me or I'm going by myself. So I made, had to make a decision. So I started going. And it's like I was praying about it and I was broken about it. I didn't want to go back to that. And it was like God was telling me, Jesus, he ministered. He went to where the sinners were. So I got my little Gatorade, straight Gatorade, because I didn't want nobody to think I was drinking again. I got my little crutches and here we go. And you know what was funny? The, the funniest thing is I'm, I'm, at, I'm at these parties with my Gatorade and everybody's like, hey man, where you been? I was like, what you mean? You ain't drinking? I'm like, no. Why? And I started telling them about Jesus. And before you know it, I'm all by myself in the corner. Nobody wants to talk to the man that's talking about Jesus at the party. Let me tell you, you start talking about Jesus at a party, you just start sucking the fun right out of their party. Don't talk to him. The more we went, the more I did that, people wouldn't even speak to me like, hey, Sabrina. I mean, they didn't want to even see me. They took off the other way. I hated going. It, it got, and I began to tell her, I can't go to those things anymore. And she got worse. It got worse because she was mad at me because I couldn't go with her to those places because she had went with me in the beginning. As things began to continue to go out of control, God starts calling me into the ministry. I start feeling the tug of the ministry. I was so excited. I went home and I thought it was a good idea, so I told my wife, not a good idea. She said, he might have called you. You know when your wife stands in that stance? She said, he might have called you, but he didn't call me. I got one of them. I was like, what you mean? She said, if you're going to be a preacher, then I cannot be a preacher's wife, and we need to get a divorce. God proved her wrong, didn't he? And it crushed me. Here's my high school sweetheart. Here's the woman I love. I mean, we've been together for so long. Satan's constantly saying, you'll never find anybody else. You'll be lonely the rest of your life. You might as well quit. You might as well give up. He was constantly telling that in my head. I, I really began to really think about, one time I was so lonely, I, I walked by my gun cabinet and it was like, the devil said, it'd be so easier. It'd be so easier. I know what it's like to be in the middle of the room, be surrounded by people, but you feel all by yourself. We were so lonely. We were just two people living in the same house. Two weeks rolled on. We were fighting about this, fussing about this, didn't know what we were going to do. And finally, it all came to a head one night. She said, divorce is all I know to do. You're miserable and I'm miserable. I don't know what else to do, but all we can do is get a divorce. And I said, fine. If you want a divorce, you go get one, but I'm not going to get one. Like that made me better, right? 
I go out the door, I slam the door. And I begin, I just fall on my face. I, I thank the Lord that I live in the country because I've lived in a subdivision in Statesboro. They would have thought I was insane because I was in that backyard crying my eyes out, hollering out to God. God, it wasn't supposed to be this way. I thought following you was going to be easy. And ever since I started, all I've had is trouble. God, I've done all these things to, 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 to save my marriage. I've done all this stuff. God, I sent her flowers, and she threw them in the trash. She said she didn't, but she never brought any flowers home. God, I, I did the 40-day love there, you know, and that was supposed to work. But that didn't work, God. God, I planned this trip. I pulled out all stops. I was like Rico Suave. I'm talking, I was throwing it down. All I had, I mean, I don't have no game at all, but I, all I had, I was giving it. And man, nothing happened. I called her boss and I said, hey, we're going to go on this weekend trip. I already got it planned. Can she be off? She's like, oh, that is so awesome. I wish she was my husband. She gets home. I was like, baby, pack your bags. Pack your bags. So we fixing to go on a trip. She said, we? I was like, yeah, me and you. She's like, I'm not going. It's like, what? This thing costs $300. Yeah, we're going. No, we ain't going. God, I've done all I know to do. I've done everything I know to do. And nothing. I was as low as I could be. And as I was praying, as I was saying all that to God, it was like he, it's like he came and he sat right beside me. And you may think I'm crazy by saying that, but that's exactly how I felt. And I just felt the presence of God right there with me. And when I was saying, God, I've done all I know to do, it's just like he said, well, why don't you give it to me? And I just broke and I began to call out to God. And I said, God, if you're going to save my marriage, then it's, you've got to do it. I can't do this anymore. God, I give my marriage to you. I give my wife to you. God, I've been praying for you to change her. And God, I ask you and I ask you to change her and change my marriage. If I'm going to be a pastor, if I'm going to be a preacher, then God, you've got to fix this and I don't know what else to do. I give it to you right now. And it's such, a, such a peace just came over me. And I went out, I went back inside and got back in bed. I woke up the next morning and when I went to work, I get a text message at 10 o'clock that says, I love you. I was like, what? She just told me she wanted a divorce and now she's playing games. I text her back, I love you too, baby. And then at 12 o'clock, she's calling me and it's the awfulest fuss I have ever heard in my life. She is crying down. And I can't understand nothing she's saying. I'm, first thing I'm thinking, great, somebody else has died. Who died? I asked her, who died? Nobody, nobody. What's wrong? Jeremy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she just kept saying it. And I had to calm her down. I said, baby, what, what's wrong? She said, Jeremy, it's like the past two years, I have been walking in a fog. And I don't know why. But this morning when I woke up, This morning when I woke up, the fog was lifted. And I feel just like I did before Daddy died. 
And I don't know what was going on, but I am so sorry of all the junk that we've been through. I just want to tell you that I love you. And I don't want a divorce. And I want to live with you the rest of my life. So when you're coming home, I want to tell you something. Only Jesus Christ can do that, people. I was so worried about my circumstances. I was so caught up in what I was doing that I was never giving it to God. I never totally gave it to God. And those of you that are wondering, let me tell you something. Muhammad didn't save my marriage. Buddha didn't save my marriage. Neither did Confucius or the Pope. Jesus Christ saved my marriage. And if you give your life to Jesus, he'll change you and he'll change your marriage too. Oh, got me up here crying. What in the world? I'm telling you, I walked through some of the darkest days I've ever went in in my life. I thought that I would never, ever be able to see any future. But God proved me wrong. There's so many of us that Satan has lied to. And we find ourselves in a mess, just like Adam and Eve did. And instead of running to God, we run away from him, just as hard as we could go. We try to fix ourselves like they were. They were, they were sewing up loincloths, trying to hide themselves, trying to fix themselves. Y'all, we can't fix ourselves. We're broken people. And until we realize that and really start pursuing God, nothing's going to change. Your circumstances are going to stay the same. Your marriage is still going to be miserable. Your life is still going to be hard unless you give it to God. We have the best marriage ever now. The best marriage ever. Because we are both pursuing the same thing. Two months after that happened, we were on the couch. And I was like, baby, what happened? What happened? She said, Jeremy, I don't know. I, when you walked outside, I just, I went in the bedroom and I just, I know I didn't want a divorce, but that's the only thing I knew that would fix us. And I realized in that moment that I was lost. So I cried out to God to save me and to save us. So not only did I, God save my marriage, but he saved my wife. You hear me? So now I can wake up every morning with a wife that I know is praying for me, for a wife that I know that loves me, the wife that I know that is by my side no matter what. But it took us going through some of the toughest things in our life for that to happen. See, y'all, so many times we're caught up in our circumstances. We're caught up in where we are. We're caught up in our problems. We think they're too big for God. I'm here to tell you nothing's too big for God. But we're so caught up in that. And we want God to change the situation. God changed the situation. I don't know how many times I pray for God to change her, change her. But it was through going through some of the toughest times in my life that God changed me through it. So you might not be going through this difficulty in your life for any reason but for God to change you. He may not change your circumstances, but I pray he changes you through them. He can do that. Because he did it in my life. 
I've seen him do it in countless other people's lives that, that are totally devoted to him. Our marriages are a wreck because one of us is just being religious. Because one of us is just playing games. And if both of us would come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus Christ, save me and save my marriage, things would work out. I'm confident in that. Does anybody in here believe me? Got to work on the rest of y'all. But I'm telling you, that's what it's like. Why are we like that? Why are we like that? We're so selfish. We're so self-centered. We think life is about us and life is not about us. Life is about those of us that are following Jesus. Life is about Jesus. What can I do today to please Jesus? I think about what can I do to my wife today that would show her that I love Jesus. If that's washing the dishes, so be it. If it's doing laundry, so be it. What can, what, can me, what can my wife, what can my marriage look like? What can I do that other people can see Jesus through my marriage? When they look at my marriage, they're like, those people love Jesus. That's what we should strive for. But instead, we strive for mediocrity. We give 110% at work. We come home and give our wife hardly anything. That analogy of the garden is one of the greatest analogies, I think, as far as marriage. I remember when Sabrina and I first got married, we had a garden. It's one of those things of, I had three jobs. She said, baby, why don't, you, why don't we plant a garden? I said, I don't have time for a garden. She said, if you plant it, I'll take care of it. Yeah, y'all know how that went, don't you? I said, all right. So I planted it. It got time for, the weeds was growing. It's got time for her to hold the garden. She went out there. Huh, that happened one time. She had some kind of allergic reaction to the hoe handle. She didn't want to do it no more. But anyway, it was just, and my father-in-law had a garden not too far from us. And as I walked out, I seen his garden. Man, that thing was pretty. Some of the prettiest tomatoes you've ever seen. And, and it was just, it was incredible how beautiful his garden was. And look at mine, and I can barely see my tobacco plants. I can barely see the squash because of the nut grass over them. Why was mine successful and his was? I mean, why was his successful and mine wasn't? Because he took time nurturing that garden. Every single day when he got home, he spent time in that garden. He nurtured it. He watered it. He pulled weeds out of it. We've got to do that in our marriages. We've got to come home and pour just as much effort into our marriage as we do at work. If not, if we just keep coming home and ignoring each other, next thing you know, there's going to be some weeds that we can't get rid of. We've got to be pulling those weeds intentionally every single day. Seeking God, asking God to guide us. That's the only way. So if marriage is a garden, which one of the garden is yours? Is it like mine? Or is it like my father-in-law? When people saw my father-in-law's garden, they knew that man was in that garden all the time. They seen him in it all the time. They knew that he took care of it. When they saw mine, they was like, what is that? It's a lot of times how people look at our lives. 
They see us and they're like, what's going on there? What, what are they doing? Why do we think that we can just get married, we can just say I do, and we're going and it's going to be, and we're going to wake up one morning and it's going to be our 60th anniversary and everything's been awesome. Why do we do that? We've got to pour in time and energy into those things. And the only way we're going to do that unless we submit our lives to Christ. Like I said earlier, Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us of our sins. He came. I mean, it's fixing to be Christmas. Jesus came and to be born of a virgin. He lived life on this earth. He was hated by people. He, people betrayed him. The very people he came to save rejected him. Jesus came anyway. He loved us anyway. Then he chose to die on the cross to save us of our sins. And if we follow Jesus, then we have hope of eternal life. Not if we're just religious, not if we're just playing games. My Bible doesn't say that all you have to do is say the sinner's prayer, get wet in the baptism and come to church and then you go to heaven. It says, you have to follow me. And so many of our marriages would get right, would be enjoyable if we would just follow Jesus. So what's keeping you today from following Jesus? What's keeping you from having the marriage God's called you to have? God didn't create this thing complicated. He didn't create marriage for you to be miserable. He created it for you to be able to follow him. I can't love my wife the way she deserves to be loved unless I'm following Jesus. Because if I'm going to love my wife the way Christ loved the church, I've got to understand how much Jesus loves me. I don't know where you are this morning, but just like God knew where Adam and Eve were, they were trying to fix themselves. They were trying to handle themselves. They were trying to, to fix the problem. And instead of running to God, they ran away from God. And you've got the opportunity this morning. Either you can run to God or you can run away from him. You can remain in the same state you're in or you can give it to Christ and be forever more changed. But you know what I love in this? Is that even though Adam and Eve were running from God, he was still pursuing them. He still knew where they were, even though they thought they were hiding. Whatever you've done in your past is not important. It only matters what you do stepping forward. I'm not promising you this Disney film marriage. I'm not promising you this easy thing. It's going to be hard. You've got to put into it, but first step is giving your life to Christ. The first step is living for Jesus. That's where it all begins. So where are you this morning? Did you come to church this morning just being religious? Did you come to church just playing games? 
Have you been playing games? Well, maybe this morning, it's time for you to check in your religion and check out of here with Jesus Christ. God's word says that if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. That's why it's so important that we boldly and unashamedly stand up and say, we want to follow Jesus. So that's you this morning. I want to give you an opportunity. If that's you this morning, say, Jeremy, I'm tired of playing games. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow him this morning. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Whoo, that's exciting. Thank you, Jesus. That's so exciting to me because I know where I was at. I know how far I was from God. So to see somebody raise their hand and say, I want to accept Jesus, that's awesome to me. Maybe this morning you're here. And you're not married. Maybe you're here this morning and you just think, you've been thinking, if I can just find the perfect man, if I can just find the perfect woman, I'll be complete. So many times we're so worried about that. We're, 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 so, we're so lonely in life. That we're pursuing all these things instead of pursuing the one that can change everything. Maybe this morning you need to come up here and lay your loneliness at the feet of the cross. Maybe you need to come up here and and lay that. that Sometimes that can be an idol. If I could just have that, I'll be happy. Maybe you need to lay that at the feet of Jesus this morning. Maybe you were like me and you were so lonely, you thought it would be easier just just to pass on from this life. Maybe you need to come up here and get somebody to pray with you. Maybe your marriage hasn't been the best. Maybe you had not been the husband you need to be. Maybe you had not been the wife you need to be. Maybe you need to come before the feet of Jesus and say, God, I give this to you today. And maybe you need to come and say, God, I've been so consumed with what I'm going through. I just need you to help me make it through this so I can see why I went through this. I wouldn't take a million dollars for those two years that we lived in hell. I wouldn't do it. Because it's made me the man that God wants me to be. And sometimes we have to go through hell to be the people God's called us to be. We have to to fight tooth and nail. We have to work hard But at the end, it's worth it. So maybe today you just need to press in and say, God, give me the strength to continue. God knows where you are better than I do. The most important thing is not that you came to church this morning. It's that you leave this place changed. 
My prayer for you today is that you would surrender to God. You would come to this altar, you would pray like you've never prayed before for God to make you the man and the woman that God's called you to be. I'm gonna pray and dismiss this in prayer. If God's speaking to you, then come pray. If not, you're dismissed. Father God, we come to you today. God, we rejoice with those people that, that went from death to life, God. God, I thank you so much for how much you love us. I thank you so much that you keep pursuing us, God. Father, I pray that you would just move in this room. Lord, that you would just allow people to put pride aside, God, and they would just be consumed by you, God, and they would come and do business today. God, help us leave this place changed forevermore. God, help us understand that it's only in you that we are complete. It's only in you where we're fully satisfied, God. Father, change us today and make us the people that you want us to be. We love you. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.